HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. The following program has been brought to you by Rolling Press, a family-run, eco-friendly printing company. For more information, visit rollingpress.com. I'm Damon Bolte, host of The Speakeasy. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to the Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, here today with two very exciting people, Brian Casper and Peyton Kozell-Turner of Flat Vernacular and Department of Decoration. Thank you for being here. Husband and wife team, we're going to get to that dynamic afterwards because we were just talking, me and my wife have the same hoarding problem that you do Kind well, I have. think I have the problem. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's both of your problem if you're married and you live in the same place. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's very much my problem. So we'll talk about how to vet that out and what tchotchkes to actually keep. But let's start about this pink drink um, at some Baltimore bar, uh, bar that oh, you guys God. met over. What, what was the name you of this drink research. in the bar? This yeah. is so embarrassing. <laughs> so we met at the Depot, which is a dive bar in Baltimore, Maryland, where we both went to school. And I had a quote-unquote signature drink there that I would drink while underage called the My Little Pony. And it was basically grenadine and any type of liquor possible. Usually sweet things, like Midori. Yeah. Which is probably why I have Crohn's disease now. But, you know, it was really (laughs) fun at the time. I forgot, Midori is such a collegiate and then maybe very elderly thing. Absolutely. Skips generations. Yeah, I've gone for a good decade or so without it. I mean reintroduce it because of that i'll make you a my little pony okay yeah oh man i should have had that i should have really researched and had those waiting for us that would be fantastic <laughs> next time okay the embarrassment out of the way you two met at art school um but backgrounds not necessarily you know uh, of wallpaper of paper products of two-dimensional i mean though painting is sculpture wasn't so no. talk to me about the arts and your path to that well when you say sculpture, I mean, first I need to sort of get 
the definition out there, you know, my major, which was officially called general sculptural studies, um, which essentially just means making proposals and pinning them to the wall. <laughs> um, <laughs> general sculptural studies students really liked Matta Clark and um, conceptual based work. So, you know, the screen I ended up moving more into screen printing halfway through my time there, just because I uh, needed some sort of structure. And that's where the 2D starts to come in in, ter- in, in my life, well, also, so to speak. you like actually making things. Yeah, the production side of things. And I think, you know, it re- sort of started to frustrate me uh, in school when no one was making anything. Everyone was just talking about making things. And you talk about that for another hour. Well, you're obviously good at pinning stuff up on walls. I mean, flat vernacular was born possibly out of that function. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And just a, and just a sort of a desire to figure it out, you yeah. Know? Which is some of my background too, just coming from a blue collar sort of, you know, from Milwaukee. We're gonna get back to Milwaukee okay. because I love Fair the enough. Cream City bricks. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, and randomly know that reference because oh, one, the Brewers used to be called the Cream Cities, right? Like way, 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 way back. Back to you guys. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, and, and painting. Um, yes. Flat Vernacular is a wallpaper company at its at its core, but the majority of what you do is really hand drawn. So, how Absolutely. did painting have a hand in that? I think first and foremost, I've always been an illustrator and a drawer, and um, I'm much better at both of those things than actually painting. And through school, I discovered that about myself, and also discovered that I wanted to focus on decoration and bringing a more tangible, accessible idea product or image into the home so it made sense to me to sort of bridge the gap between actually trying to produce you know paintings and drawings to make more of an installation piece which turned into my sticker wallpaper which then sort of snowballed into this idea that wallpaper had something to it I could I could be an artist and still make it at the same time so it's it was very organic and it's very relative in my mind decoration kind of gets a bad rap in art school just because it's seen as a product and not as art. Let's just not, an not to get into the conversation right. of what is art, but just in general, um, you know, sort of Bain was sort of discouraged from going down that road in school while in school. The yeah. decoration road. The decorate yeah, decoration. Yeah. Yet home decor <clears throat> and interior designing sure. has a whole nother, you know, kind of echelon to it. I mean, you go into a space and you, you see how beautiful it is. There there's some kind of recognition of who did that. Why is decoration or decor looked down upon? Well, I mean, conceptually, you could argue that it's far less complicated and far less um, intellectual than, let's say, studying fine art and making pieces of fine art. But I don't necessarily think that it has to be that. I mean, you have to have a hand or a foundation in it. And And an eye and an aesthetic. And this is where I... uh, This Well, there are many reasons I brought you on today, but one is the parallels to kind of the food movements today. You know, you see fancy and then you see farm to table, you know, in those exhausted terms. But it's really about having something accessible, having something real, uh, having something from the surrounding areas. And that's where you get, I know you don't want me to use this word. That's okay. Inspiration. (laughs) Yeah. That is where we get inspiration. Yeah, You're exactly true. right. Yeah. <laughs> Which is more of a feeling than it is a specific, oh, we draw inspiration from this one thing or this one person, you know, to get inspiration just from an idea. Or a larger concept. Much more likely. I know you You two are wonderfully eclectic in those tastes. I mean, look at some of the first flat vernacular 
you know, uh, wallpapers. Tell me about like the car crash, the so, derby. Yeah, that was the, the derby. first. The Good first call. Yeah, that was the absolute first thing. Not the first thing necessarily we designed, Actually, but it was the first thing that we printed. Oh yeah, that's true. Mostly because it was one color. Yeah. <laughs> well, what was it? I mean, what brought you to bring that to life? That one specifically. Yeah. Um, I've been in five demolition derbies. Yes. And that is essentially, I think every every contemporary wallpaper. And I shouldn't say every. That's a broad generalization, but I think most who want to do something sort of illustrative has a twall in their tool belt. And so when we made the twall come, you know, compose entirely out of demolition derby cars, um, it was, it was just more of less like, well, how can we make twall funny? That's no one else has done before. And I so still we look, love that pattern. Yeah. It's wonderful. And I have so many questions about Demolition Derby. And I'm <laughs> going to try to stay on task. <laughs> but from there, there, there was dandelion <clears throat> creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, and a little bit of your obsession with small animals right. came into play. Right. Um, I think we tried to focus on being narrative for our first collection and ran with it, whether that meant a, a, an illustrative toile about Brian's love for Demolition Derbies or... You know, my weird love for capybaras, which are, if you don't know, the world's largest rodent, and they reside in South America. And if you look them up on YouTube, you will be a very happy person. Have you ever eaten a capybara? I would never. Really? Never. I you would. know, I know you're going down to New Orleans soon, and yeah. there is a water rat called Nutria, which is right. the southeast. An invas- and it's an invasive species, so. Well, yeah. actually, they say the, the fur is the only sustainable fur. Really? Um, and they actually... Because it's killing off this invasive species. Yeah. Yeah. So but you maybe like, I would. You like its mystique more I do. than it's I mean I I mean, have you seen a capybara? I've seen a nutria, so okay. I'm just scaling up. No. I scale up a guinea pig, don't scale yeah. up a nutria. <laughs> they have these like round faces and they just look so cute you want to stuff them in your arms and squeeze them. Nutria's and not so much. Pygmy hogs. So cute. Wombats. Wombats. So cute. So mean, but so cute. Wombats are the meanest of yeah, that they crew? have those really, like, strong back legs that will, you know, do some serious damage to you if you mess with one. Yeah, no, I've never had the opportunity to, but I'm glad I, I <laughs> got that warning mind. now. I will, I will certainly heed it. But, you know, putting these things up on a wall, um, do people say, well, I have this idea for you. How do they interject? Because I know the sticker series is literally stickers literally. on a wall. Mm-hmm. Um, no two are the same. You mean how do they interject in, like... Well, how do, do they, how do, you know, how does someone come to you, you know, with an idea or with a space and say, I want you to put wallpaper up? Do they pick a specific thing or do you design out of that? Both, actually. We do custom wallpapers and we have done them in the past for all different spaces and all different people. And then we also sell our wallpaper and do our wallpaper all the time. I think people come to us for our point of view more often than their own point of view. We expected the company to exist in this very sort of custom world, um, you know, where we would be designing things really to people's specific tastes. But I think the people who have those ideas in their heads already or want to commission something like that already kind of know what they want. Um, And to the point where they may have even already kind of started designing it. And it's just not a road that we go down. Um, but now after, you know, being in business for four years, people sort of come to a first specific sort of feeling point of view design sense. Um, and they know that they can get that from us. So usually they find what they're looking for in production paper. The only thing is that, which we do all the time is the custom colorways of different things, um, is probably the more common customization that we find. 
Well, let's talk about a specific job, Lena Dunn's apartment in Brooklyn Heights. How were you approached? How did someone find you to be able to apply all those stickers? Um, she just emailed me. So it was just the two of us talking back and forth about what she liked and what she wanted. And then we had a meeting and um, she picked out, you know, a couple of papers she liked. And that's sort of it. That's it. So anybody, you don't have to anybody. be of the girls' no. ilk to be no, able to have stickers on your wall. Not at all. Well, Lena also, I mean, I think Lena and Peyton share very similar sort of points of view and about the world and design and cute things in general that I think when she came to Peyton, it was they just hit it off and it was sort of finishing each other's sentences um, in a very easy to design for a client. Oh, that's nice. I don't. I don't know. Maybe. You don't agree? No, I do. I think we have kindred design sensibilities for sure. Yeah. And she's fantastic. I love her. You know, I was actually introduced to your work via the bathroom of Julie Bainbridge, <laughs> who's been on the show. And I know it, it's very rare that you get to say, "Oh, I met this person in well, not even in because of somebody's bathroom." <laughs> Talk to me about that floral pattern. I love that floral yeah, pattern. That's... It's called Full Bloom, and it's. Uh, the colorway is Silver Sword. It's printed on a metallic paper. Mylar. Mylar, thank you. Um, it's a CMYK print. It's only four colors, but it looks photographic, and it looks like you could lick it. It utilizes a similar technique that was used for um, you know, comic pages and newspapers Newspaper. back in the day. You know, If you look at those old ones with a magnifying glass, you see the dots, individual dots, and it's a similar technique which um, sort of is where I come in to play with something like that. I, I actually, you know, I, I did photography pre-digital, so in analog, and did 3D uh, sublimation printing, you know, yeah. dimatrix printing. Right. So you see the register, and yes. you see, and yeah. it, was, it was partially, oh, and I didn't lick it when I was in her bathroom. I it certainly looks did. like you Yeah, could, it certainly does. <laughs> it I mean, looks I, tasty. I touched it. I rubbed it a whole bunch because it's so textural and layered. Yeah. Um, but... I saw the handicraft in that, and obviously the design, and I, I needed to know more. Um, obviously, there's the floral or flora reference, and there's a little bit of, I don't know if it's berries, food. There, there are things that are touched upon, like boysenberry jam and cream puffs. Absolutely. But it's not directly in-your-face jam. What are those two prints, and what was the thought behind those designs? Cream puff and boysenberry jam, mm-hmm. you mean? Well, the, they're actually the same. Both of those are the, the same pattern, actually, which is called folded, um, which is just, it really is a striped shirt that was crumpled up. It's our take on the stripe. Um, so they sort of fold in on each other. And honestly, the the names for the colorways themselves, Boysenberry Jam, it, it straight, straight up looks like Boysenberry Jam. It's that super vibrant sort of red, slightly burgundy color. Um, and Cream Puff kind of getting back to Wisconsin. Yeah. That one is sort of this reddish orange color on cream. So it's very sort of carnival looking and the Wisconsin State Fair is famous for its cream puffs. Which we went to very early on in our relationship when we did a cross country road trip. Yeah. So So we had to name it after It all that. comes back down to food. It does cream puff and cream city. Mm. Yeah. And let's talk about that brick really quickly. Yeah. Because I mean there's a lot in New York as well. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know a whole lot about the history, but I do know that it is everywhere, and it's actually getting to the point now. Whenever they tear something down in Milwaukee, that a, a lot of people save them because they don't make them anymore. And I think it just comes from the 
sort of sand or, or whatever it is that they used. But it's this, I mean, it's a beautiful yellow, creamy um, color. And Milwaukee has the nickname the Cream City because of it. So, therefore, Cream City Brick. Wildflowers, lichen, hydrangea, fruit doves. Again, a lot from nature. Absolutely. And this kind of segues into what you're doing now, mm-hmm. the amazing Department of Decoration. Because I, I remember when I was in your studio, you said, I, we, we have something that's kind of moving from 2D to 3D. We can't tell you what, but it's going to be very exciting. It is very exciting. <laughs> it's here, and we're going to take a quick break and come right back to it. You've been listening to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Today's program was brought to you by Rolling Press. Rolling Press is a family-run digital and offset print house that brings together eco-friendly methods, ethical practices, and personalized service. Using environmentally responsible papers, non-toxic inks, and wind power, Rolling Press represents the harmony of traditional craftsmanship and mindful sustainability. Rolling Press offers advice on reducing paper waste and energy consumption, helping you save money and minimize your carbon footprint. For more information, visit rollingpress.com. Welcome back to the food scene on heritageradionetwork.org. Thank you to Rolling Press for sponsoring. And how kind of apropos that we have a paper company for... We love paper. Yeah. Hoarders. Hoarders. There's way too much paper in my house. Not unfortunately. I mean, thankfully, there's some kind of archive, some paper trail somewhere of all these tangible things that we've done. Because I worry. I worry sometimes. But we're here now in the 3D world talking about Department of Decoration. We, how did this business concept out of flat vernacular, or are they two separate entities? They're two separate entities, but we couldn't have one without the other, I don't think. Yeah, they're, they're sisters. They are sisters. Uh, Department of Decoration was born out of a desire to do other objects for the home, simply put, and to, do, to give us a platform for collaboration with other companies to allow us to be more multidisciplinary in our everyday work life, I suppose. So tell me about the launch, because what department decoration is, is, you know, home decor, dinnerware, tableware, even chairs. I mean, it's it's homeware. Um, But you're doing it room by room. We are doing it room by room, and everything's in a limited edition capacity. Um, The, I mean, the way we're going to approach each room is to have, you know, essentially a launch for each line or each, let's call it each year, each room. And it's, it's, you know, it's meant to be something that is for people to interact with and not just to view or click on a website. 
Um, so the first one, the first room was dining room, and so obviously our first launch was to actually have a dinner. We did um, a four night, four nights of dinner and one last night of sort of cocktails, and there were performances each night. We had um, jugglers and acapella group, as well as an interactive sort of um, wall where people were also creating a pattern because one of the courses was a marker. And, you know, we wanted to do it, and we wanted to do the dining room first in particular is because we wanted people to have a conversation. I mean, dining is about conversation and company, and we wanted people to not only look at things and talk about them, but also to use them and interact with them. And there were some really great moments where people realized that, oh, you also made this, and you also made that, and you also made that. Um, not just this isn't just rental stuff. Yeah. Well, was, I mean, talk to me about the whole line, because it runs the breadth of... You know, silverware, all that flatware, porcelain plates, you know, you know, napkins. napkins, linen napkins that come in three different sizes. We have two different uh, porcelain plates, dinner plates and small plates. And they were sort of modeled after what I thought or what I do think and do see as uh, stones being washed over and over and over again by the sea. So they almost have, you know, an organic, smooth, flat shape. And we did a collaboration with Chairloom, which is a company in Philadelphia who does beautiful reupholstery work. So they worked with us for the 40 antique chairs that were painted as if they were dip-dyed and then covered with our fabric. And all of the patterns we used for that collection came directly from wallpaper patterns, actually, that we made from for Flat Vernacular as well to sort of give a bridge between the two companies and talk about how you know we're moving from one to the other and why. And they were all inspired by different elements found by the sea, essentially. The chairs in particular actually touch on one of the aspects of the company that we really hope to move forward with, and it's collaboration. We want to work with companies that we like, that they, they like us, and also that we can trust a little bit. With Chairloom in particular, and making those chairs, we essentially just sent them yardage of all different things and just said, go with it. And they were it into great. it, and we were into it. They're and it, fantastic. Yeah, couldn't have gone better. And, and the linens. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of them have like like that aqua-looking yes. dye, you know, from Either bluish. deeper blue, yeah. deeper greens, yeah. to brighter cyans. Um, some of our chairs actually were pink. Um, with a beautiful sort of sunset-esque fabric. So everything sort of felt fluid and watery and as, as if you were sitting by the sea, essentially. Yeah. I mean, I, I've I've been to dinner parties based around the idea of blue because it's kind of one of those things in it's food. So yeah, it is. Where there isn't that much other than like blueberries and maybe blue curacao. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it's a funny color. It's a great contrasting color, but it's it's not really a color associated with food as much as I think. And... For you to have that palette, obviously, like the sea, uh, like the sky, um, only seemed natural. I mean, the, the way you put your space together felt very serene and kind of, uh, you know, outdoor environment. That's so nice to hear. That's what we were aiming for. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you did it then. Yay. Congratulations. Next up is the bedroom, yeah. which will be exciting. <laughs> yeah. and a, an altogether different experience. So. I was, uh, yeah, I'm going to admit the fact that sometimes I oh, eat in the bedroom. I sit <laughs> at the edge of the bed and snack a little. But uh, that, I sit <laughs> in the bed, in the sheets, and have which food, is Which admittedly. is one of the tricks of you know the launch for the bedroom because we definitely want to have you know sort of a you know cocktail or food involved. And we are talking with someone who's like, what about doing something that's things you eat in bed yeah Which would be really there we fun. go what, what are things you eat in bed because i, I don't no. I, have a, I have a rule and yeah. peyton only eats things in bed when i'm not around 
true. I love it. We could call each Pizza. other. No, actually, my wife eats in bed sometimes. Okay, yeah. I'll join you guys. Yeah, exactly. I'll come over. Pizza? Yeah. That's daring. It's so good. You're so cozy. The bed is my favorite place. Yeah. I do my best work in bed. Always. <laughs> so the bedroom is going to be very interesting. Yeah. It's going to be. Anyway. It's going to be a bit of a departure from the dining room. How so? I mean, as far as the design aesthetic, because I know like a lot of these matte glazes, and again, these blue hues uh, were particular to the dining room, right. taking that you know aesthetic outside. And that's specifically why, well, most of the reason why we wanted to do this or focus our company on doing objects for the, the home, one room of the home at a time, because then, you know, it can be a complete departure from what we've done in the past. So the palette for the bedroom is going to be very dark, very sultry. Some of the things we're making use um, contrasting materials on the same plane. So resin and brass or silk and organic cotton. Um, Yeah, I think, you know, when we did the dining room, we wanted there to be sort of an obvious relationship between Department of Decoration and Flat Vernacular. So the color palette and the feeling is very similar to what we know we've done with that company. But now that we've drawn that line and people can kind of get and understand that it comes from us we can have a lot more fun with the bedroom because you know we don't always want to put pink on things I do. <laughs> well we do but um but at the same time we want to do some just really weird dark stuff yeah sexy well or on, weird on that weird sexy bedroom and you're married <laughs> How does design... <laughs> that was the worst, worst segue yeah, I like, could have thought of. Where are we going with yeah. this? Sorry, <laughs> yeah, this is... We're not FCC regulated. We could be a little more cussy. I can't believe I used the word cussy for being able I to like use it. so many other cussy. wonderful words. But, uh, you know, being married, there's a design aesthetic. There's a decor, I'm sure, in your house. Um, and you guys are very similar in how you work and what you like. But I know, Peyton... You love little tchotchkes. You love love little little. things you collect. So how do those adorn your house, and how do those, Brian, drive you crazy? Wow, good. I mean... A lot of my small stuff lives in drawers, and I just take it out when Brian's not home. (laughs) But at the same time, I like to collect things, too, and I think it's... It's yeah. more just being able to step back and say, okay, what do we need to keep yeah. of this? Yeah, what is actually worth having a collection of? So we have some depression glass. Um, that's one of our big collections. I love books, so I have a ton of books. But I think Peyton just likes, you know, the smaller the better, which maybe is how this works best, because then it can live somewhere hidden away. <laughs> yeah. Tiny little dollhouse pots and pans. Yeah. yeah. But I'm saving them for something. I'm not going to talk about it today, but I am actually saving all my small stuff for something. And it's not a baby. No. (laughs) I mean, these seem even too micro for a child. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Are you into mini food? Are you into, like, micro things? Mini food food is fascinating. Like, I don't mean, like, baby carrots. Like, what's the smallest food that you... Well, I have these funny Japanese, these plastic Japanese... um, little mini fish cookies that are so tiny I can barely hold it in my hand. My hand like shakes and I drop it because it's so small. There's nothing really to hold on to. <laughs> I love those. My, fa- it, it's my like favorite It's like a visceral thing. reaction for me. I'm like shaking Maybe just talking things. about yeah. it. Here's a recipe for your users. Yeah. Um, users, listeners. My mom used to make um, mini cheeseburgers, but they were cookies. It was two Nilla wafers for the bun. Um, a Girl Scout what are they, Thin Mints or whatever, for the meat. And then she would actually use, like, red and green frosting 
to make for the ketchup and the lettuce. And then she would sprinkle a little bit of coconut on top of the vanilla wafer to make the like sesame seed. And this seed. was way before Pinterest, but, so yeah. that's pretty good. Yeah, I'm sure there's better. That is actually, there. I think, the cutest thing that has ever been said on the food scene, yet alone possibly HeritageRadioNetwork.org. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. And it came good from job, me. Brian. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, again, this, this comes from inspiration, I know, I know, coming from all places. It's because, uh, But a lot of it's rooted in these weird kind of like food dynamics. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, even when I was little, I was obsessed with fake food. Um, fake food, dollhouse food. There's a lot of memories around food, too. Yeah. And, and just I have specific memories of different events, you know, just based on what we ate. Sometimes, it's true. You know. And I love, I have tons of cookbooks. I collect cookbooks. I think it's really comforting in so many ways. And it tells so much about history which I find fascinating. Like if you read the Laura Ingalls Wilder books growing up, you read all about what, you know, the pioneers ate and didn't eat. Uh, and I love that. I love being able to sort of trace that history through things like recipes and food and miniature foods and other small things. So design, I mean, department decoration obviously set a scene for these gathering for these events, but what kind of food was actually served? What, what do you expect to be shown on your plate? Um, at at the gather at the or in general the I launch guess. I mean yeah both well they what were the names of the chefs Sarah Kramer and the two Sarahs from the Glossary. two Sarahs That's yeah it, yeah um, who are now in L A but they served oh my god what did they serve they served beautiful crudite oh, man. <laughs> that's right crudite, crudite with like well, three you different have to understand sauces. it was really stressful for us yeah. putting on this kind of production yeah. um, and we worked with the Spring Street Social Society and they're part of the bargain of working together was that they would curate the food and find the chefs so we sort of left it in their hands but sarah and sarah did a beautiful job there was a beautiful fish and a beautiful like like these amazing sauces it was mediterranean inspired um there was a lamb a lamb which was delicious yeah and those blues just seemed kind of amazing pops for that they were you know mediterranean uh scenery Yeah. yeah well that was the nice thing about you know everyone that we worked with including the performers that the spring street um people found is everyone sort of, you know, they kind of all related to things that we had done in our sort of aesthetic. And I think this, I don't think the food was any different. They knew, they didn't know exactly what they were getting. We had some examples and some prototypes for them to see. Um, they knew they'd be all, everything would be served on something a little bit different. Um, but I think they definitely related a lot of the food. I mean, the pink of that, like, tuna that they served. Yeah, it was beautiful on the plate, on the white plate with the blue yeah. behind it and the candlelight. It was very, very, very beautiful. I want to start a charge against getting rid of white plates in restaurants. Oh, church. Yeah. I mean, it's just... I'm not going to knock the big service companies. Well, no, I am. Because, you know, <laughs> it's it's so cheap, it's so easy. And when we talk about handmade, um, when we talk about locally made, you know, obviously the expense rises a little bit. Yes. And yeah. I'm assuming Department of Decoration is not... Well, can be used every day, but not the everyday price of going to, like, Target. Not no. that I would ever tell someone Un- to do that. No. Unfortunately, we couldn't compete with those prices and still, you know, we, do a limited edition We also don't have storage space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely not. But, you know, you have these events, you have these gatherings, and they're thought of as special occasions. Right. But really, they should be every day. Every day. Yeah. Because they're... 
inspired by everyday things. They're they're utilitarian, and you know they're not just design focused. And how important is it for you to make something not so precious, not so, you know, one off? We've always been. We've even when flat vernacular, we've always said that people need to. When people are really wishy-washy about buying wallpaper, for instance, we always tell them to think of their favorite movie scenes and to treat their life in that way and sort of setting a scene. And I think if you surround yourself with beautiful things and, you know... Precious or not. Yeah, I don't, I don't mean that in, like, beautiful, expensive things. One I just mean kind. it as, like, things that you like and create this environment. The home is an amazing place and to create an environment that you want to be in and have people over to, I mean, that's how we know each other. A friend had... Us at the Dinner same party, party yeah. right? It's so because she important. wanted to show off her bathroom, for yeah. instance. <laughs> it's so important. It's yeah. definitely central to our lives, thinking about space, whether one-off or not one-off pieces or, you know, heirloom items or not. I think so much of this revolves around social occasion and especially eating together with people. So that was a tangent. Sorry. Yeah. No, that wasn't. That's... But in a nutshell, I think that's it. I think people just really need to consider things a little bit more. Um and it takes time, too. I mean, I think there's a lot of people who feel this weird emptiness that it doesn't look like Ramadalista. Um, but it's going to take you a while to get there. You like know? you talk about collecting. Yeah, and, you exactly. Know, you, have, you have an idea in your head of what you're going to use it for. <laughs> and having just gotten married almost a year ago, you know, and gathering retrofree things, we've been waiting a while to use the. We don't even have most of it unpacked. But, wow. Yeah. Well, that's the another we problem have weird with hoarding and half sets. Of yeah, yeah, we have things yeah. that we pull out slightly, but we're incorporating them into right. our everyday life. And you and feel precious about them too. At yeah. least I do. Yeah. And don't use the wedding china. <laughs> God. But it's there to be used. I know, and yeah. I want to use it. So we do try also to implement that in our everyday life. You know, using the wedding china for breakfast if we want to, yeah. not making it so precious. Well, and using it, and when you use it for something just like a regular dinner at home. It makes that regular dinner at home feel a little special because you are using something that's not just a plate from Crate and Barrel, for instance. That I've had since college. Yeah. yeah they can go in the microwave, the wedding china can. Yeah. <laughs> Let's vet those things out of our lives. Yeah. Like hashtag more dinner parties. Yes. All that, you know, it's a celebration of things. Hashtag decorate every day. Decorate yeah. the every day. Absolutely. And everyone should check out departmentofdecoration.com. That's D-E-P-T. Right. Correct. Of decoration.com. Correct. Of course, flat vernacular because your walls look too bare. Your walls do look too bare. And I don't care if you rent. Right I don't now. care if you rent. You need to put a wallpaper. Absolutely. If nothing else, put it on the ceiling. Yeah. Ceiling. Frame it. Frame. Yeah, I mean, you guys have framed and prints, we model do. prints, beautiful yeah. model prints. There's so much you guys do, and I'm so excited to see room by room by room. And we're so excited to do it, and thank yeah. you so much. Again, departmentofdecoration.com. You've been listening to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Hoping to have you back here next Tuesday at three. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>